Hey there, welcome back to another episode of the Bible in Life podcast. My name is John and I am glad you're joining me on this episode. The Bible in Life's aim is to provide down-to-earth, clear, in-depth Bible teaching in such a way that it can help you and I follow Jesus right in the midst of our everyday life. I like to refer to it as blue jeans theology. And so if you're a regular listener of the podcast, man, I'm glad you're part of the Bible and Life family. If this is your first time listening or you're fairly new to the podcast, I hope you find this podcast and some of the other resources that I provide helpful to you as you seek to understand the Bible and walk with Jesus. And speaking of other resources, uh, if you haven't had a chance to go to my website, johnwhitaker.net, and check out some of the free resources there, I'd encourage you to do that. One of the resources right there on the homepage is a short little guide that's called Seven Ways to Immediately Get More Out of the Bible. And it really provides seven keys for reading the Bible well, holistically, not only for information, but also for building our relationship with God. So it's got seven keys for doing that, and it's got some resources within that that can help you figure out how to do that well and carry out some of those practices and some online tools and some of that. So if you're looking to engage with the Bible more this year and you're looking to be more rooted in the Word, I would encourage you to check out that that document on my website, johnwicker.net, seven ways to immediately get more out of the Bible. In last week's episode of the podcast, we began exploring a theme that I'm going to explore for, I don't really know exactly how long, but several weeks here on the podcast, uh, dealing with this idea of living a Jesus-centered life. It's something I said last week that I've been reflecting on for several months and been thinking about for myself and might even turn into a writing project. And I invited you guys to give me feedback as we go through these lessons together. I want to hear what's helpful, what's confusing, uh, and all that, so that if I do turn this into a writing project, your feedback can be invaluable to that. Um, this theme is deeply important, and so today I want to begin exploring some of the things involved in what does that mean. And so over the next handful of weeks, we're going to just look at individual passages of Scripture that help us understand what's entailed in living a Jesus-centered life. Um, and so to begin this episode, I want you to think about your life, like What's involved in your life? What if, if you were to describe your life to somebody, what, what makes up your life? Like the activities of your life. What are your hobbies and your interests? What bring you joy and pleasure? What's the aim and the goal and the purpose of your life? If you were to get to the end of your life and have had what you would consider a fruitful, successful life, like, man, I, it was a life well lived. I did what I wanted to do. What would you want people to say about you at your funeral at the end of your life that would indicate, indeed, he or she lived a rich, vibrant, good life, the kind of life they wanted? What are you aiming for in life? What, what are the kinds of things you do every day, both the things you have to do and the things you want to do that make up your life? Like, what, what does your life consist of? And as you think about that, the reason I, I suggest just reflecting on that a little bit is because the passage I want to explore today forces us to think about what really is the core focus, the core motivation of our life. It focuses us to think about, like, is our life our own <laughs> in some regards? And what 
what drives our life, what's the motivating force behind it. And so I want to look at a passage, fairly well-known passage, if you're familiar with the Apostle Paul's writings much, out of the book of Galatians that is really Paul's own personal testimony, but it's Paul's testimony set up as really the pattern, the uh, model, the template for all of us who would follow Jesus. It's Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, and it says this. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. And the context here is an interchange that Paul had with the Apostle Peter in view of uh, some choices Peter was making that Paul said, no, that's not in keeping with the gospel of Jesus. And then here in the whole flow of the book of Galatians, Paul shares sort of a summary of the words he said to Peter in that incident, uh, really as a springboard for everything he's going to say later in the letter to Galatians. If you want to know more about Galatians 2 and how it all fits into the letter, you can check out the listener's commentary on Galatians chapter 2. But for now, I just want you to pay attention to Paul's self-description. I have been crucified with Christ. Catch that phrase, crucified with Christ. Let's not glorify that phrase. Let's not whitewash that phrase. Crucifixion was a, it was a brutal way of putting people to death. It was a brutal way that the Romans had in basically perfected for executing people. So to say crucified with Christ, one, it points us back to The moment when Jesus died, so depending on when Paul wrote the letter to Galatians, we're talking maybe uh, 20 years earlier or so, 20, 25 years earlier, it points us back to this moment when Jesus was crucified by the Romans, literally, physically hanging on a cross, bleeding out and breathing his last. So it points us back there, but at the same time, it also points us right now to our present and, and says, that's what happened to Jesus. I am so identified with that that it can be said it, it also happened to me. I have been crucified with him. When Jesus hung on the cross and died, I too hung on the cross and died. I was executed as well. And so to be crucified with Christ speaks of death, death with Christ. And this is Paul's fundamental way of understanding not only his life, but really the life of every believer. Paul routinely teaches in his letters that when we enter into Jesus, a death happens, a crucifixion happens. For example, Romans chapter 6, right in the middle of that chapter, around verse 5 or 6, Paul says that uh, describing believers, he's already said that they, they died with Jesus and That occurred in sync with their baptism. Their baptism embodied this death, burial, and resurrection. And then he says, around verses 5 or 6, he says, so that our old self should be crucified with him, 
Uh, and our body of sin, therefore, nullified so that we should no longer be slaves to sin. That this crucifixion happened to us. Uh, this death with Christ embodied in our baptism can be speaking of, of our old self, our old identity, our old fallen, broken us having been executed when we entered into Christ. Paul says the same thing, for example, again in Colossians chapter 2, uh, where he, he describes Again, baptism is a death and a resurrection. And he says, that's what happened to you when you entered into Christ. And so when Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ, this is Paul's self-understanding. And it's, this, and it's the way Paul wants every single follower of Jesus to think about their life. That's what happened when we entered into Christ. Um, we died to who we were before Christ, and now we live a new kind of life. And in context here in Galatians chapter 2, as Paul describes his own uh, having been crucified with Christ, it's actually connected to dying to the law. Look at verse 19 of Galatians 2, and Paul says that through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. And for Paul, personally, the law, before meeting Jesus, the law was his whole life. Like It gave him purpose. It shaped his identity. It defined his ambitions. It told him what a good life was uh, all about and what a good life looked like. Uh, his whole approach to uh, the covenant and the law that was a part of that covenant was how he pleased God and where his value came from. And so when he says he died to the law and then had been crucified with Christ, basically what he's saying is everything that shaped his life before meeting Jesus has come to an end. And now what shapes his life is this new identity he has in Christ. And so he goes on here in Galatians 2.20, after saying, I've been crucified with Christ, he says, it's no longer I who live, like me, I, I don't live any longer um, it's not me who uh, determines my life, who shapes my life, who directs my life. I don't live any longer. I is Paul, right? Like Paul is the determiner of his life. Um, that's not who he is anymore. And when you look at the context uh, again, this incident with Peter revolved uh, eating with Gentiles in the church at Syrian Antioch, north of Jerusalem. Peter had come up there. Uh, he used to eat with the Gentiles, but then when some people from the Jerusalem church came, they came and they exerted enough social pressure that Peter was like, oh yeah, maybe you're right. And he began to withdraw from eating with the Gentiles. That's the, that's the situation that led to Paul confronting Peter and then leads to this summary of Paul's words to Peter here in Galatians chapter 2. And so in that context, think about Paul. Prior to meeting Jesus, Paul would have been right there with Peter. In fact, Paul would have never eaten with Gentiles. He never would have started that. But, but now that he's in Christ, it, like being in Christ and his crucifixion with Christ, well, that even affects such practical things as who you eat with and why you eat with them. It's a big deal to him. And so his whole life now has radically shifted because of his connection with Jesus. He's been crucified with Christ, he says, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Uh, Christ lives in me by his spirit, 
forming his way of life in you and in me and in us and Paul. All of us, our way of life, once we enter into Christ, is shaped by him. He lives in us, imparting his values, his priorities, his aims, his loves, his passions. Christ now lives in us, shaping what governs our life and what determines our life. And so now Christ actually governs my life. Um, but even more, he makes it possible. He models what life is meant to look like. He enables me to carry out the kind of life that he says is right and good and beautiful. And so he lives in me and my life is his life and his life is my life. And Paul expands on that here in Galatians 2.20 by saying, after he says, it's no longer I who live, and then he follows up by saying, and yet I live. And yet I really still do live. Um, so I've been crucified. I live, but I don't live because Christ lives in me, and yet I live. And he says this, and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. And so his crucifixion didn't physically end his life. He's still alive in the body, still alive in the flesh, and yet the operating principles of his life is so different. He says, the life I live in the flesh, I now live by faith in the Son of God. Um, faith in the Son of God is what drives him, this trust, this loyalty, this deep relational connection and allegiance to Jesus. What Paul means is he just trusts Jesus. He trusts Jesus. If what Paul thinks... And what Jesus thinks are at odds with each other? Well, Paul figures Jesus is right. If Jesus says to do something that doesn't make sense to Paul, well, Paul figures, well, I must be wrong because Jesus knows what he's talking about. That's what he means. He just trusts Jesus. He lives by faith in Jesus. And so he, he takes Jesus at his word and figures, well, Jesus is smarter than me. Jesus knows more than me. And if, if I would have done this, but Jesus says do that, I better go with Jesus. He trusts him. Paul trusts Jesus. The operational principle for Paul in Paul's context is no longer the Torah, the law. That's what it used to be, but it's not that anymore. That used to be the guiding principle of his life. Now it's Jesus. Um, and we all have something that used to guide and govern our life, right? We all have something that used to be the operating principle of our life. Like maybe it was our family heritage. Maybe it was uh, getting a good career that would make us lots of money so that we, you know, whatever, right? Like maybe we got our wisdom for life from various uh, people that were important to us, our teachers, our professors, our parents, um, our co-workers, or uh, various books on life, you know, from, you know, whether they're self-help type books or whether they're books about how to have a successful life or career, like all of us have had things and probably still have occasionally have things that guide and govern our life. Well, what does that, Paul says for him, and again, he's setting himself up as a model for all of us is faith in Jesus, trusting Jesus. And that reminds us of this really important fact that to live a Jesus-centered life means we trust Jesus. We just trust Jesus. We take him at his word. And so if what, what we think and what Jesus thinks don't line up, well, then what Jesus thinks wins. Well, Jesus knows best, so I'm going to trust him and I'm going to take him at his word. Um, 
what Jesus does for us, we figure it must be the best thing for us because we just trust him, right? And it doesn't mean it's always easy. It doesn't mean it always is clear or it always makes sense. It just means the operating principle is trust, loyalty, relational connectedness, and allegiance to Jesus. Just trust him, like Paul. Uh, the life we now live in the flesh, we live by faith and loyalty and trust and allegiance to Jesus. That's key to living a Jesus-centered life. And, and how does Paul say he, he knows he can trust him? Like, how do you know, Paul, that you can really trust Jesus? Well, look what he says. He says, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Like, Paul, how do you know you can just trust Jesus and take him at his word? How do you know he has your best interest at heart? Well, because he laid down his life for me. Because he loves me so much that he gave himself up for me. That's how you know you can trust Jesus. He literally has loved you to death. He literally gave up his life for your life, and thus you figure, well, even in this case, if it doesn't make sense and I don't understand it, look what he did for me. He laid down his life. He gave himself up for me, and so I can trust him. I can trust him. And so now think back to your life. What makes up your life? Who are you? What matters in life to you? Where do you get your guidance and your instruction for life from? Like, where do you get your wisdom and your advice and your guidance for life? How do you evaluate the value of your life and the success of your life? Well, Paul would say that when he came to Christ, or maybe even better in Paul's language, Christ came to him, he died to all of the old answers to those questions. Like, what makes up your life? Who are you? What matters in life? How do you evaluate the success of your life? Paul died to all the ways he used to answer those questions. And now, now the answer is Jesus. Jesus. What matters in life? Jesus. What Jesus taught, what Jesus says, what Jesus wants done. Where do you get your wisdom and guidance and instruction for life? Well, Jesus. I get that from Jesus. He knows best about how to do life. How do you evaluate the success and value of your life? Well, Jesus. What Jesus says life is all about, what Jesus wants me to do in life, that's how I value my life. Jesus. Um, there's this well-known line in the poem Invictus uh, that says this. It says, I am the master of my fate the captain of my soul. Man, and that is such a common way to act and to operate. At least, I know particularly in my country, in America, I know there's people who are here in other countries and I can't totally speak for your country, but in my country, that's like, that's almost like enshrined as the gold operating standard. Like, you know, like no one can tell me what to do. You know, do it your way. You got to follow your heart. You got to, you got, right? Like you're the, the master of your fate. You're the captain of your soul. You're the one that determines your life. And so often we act and operate that way. But here in Galatians 2.20, Paul says, nope, nope, not so. Not if you want to follow Jesus. If that's the case, if you want to follow Jesus, then you have been crucified with Jesus and Jesus now lives his life through you. Jesus is the master of your fate. Jesus is the captain of your soul. And that's, that is a crucial key to living a Jesus-centered life. 
that we aren't the determiner of our life. We're not the captain of our own soul. Jesus is. We have died. And now the life we live, we live by faith in Jesus, and Jesus lives his life through us. And let me end this reflection on this text with just a simple little spiritual practice that maybe you should consider doing at the beginning of this year as you say, I want to live a more Jesus-centered life. Here's the practice. Lay on the floor somewhere alone in your house, right? You don't want to do this with a bunch of people around. Lay on your house, uh, on the floor, in your house, your apartment, somewhere on the floor in the position of a crucified person. Arms outstretched like you're nailed to the cross. Feet uh, together like they're nailed together at the foot of a cross, right? Like lay out yourself in a crucifixion position and pray Galatians 2.20 back to the Lord and just say, Lord, this year, I want to live this way. I have been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who live, but Christ, I want you to live in me. I want to learn what it means to really live by faith in you. So the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in you because you lay down your life for me. You loved me and gave yourself up for me. And so um, maybe maybe sometime this week, uh, just find a quiet place. And pray Galatians 2.20 in that position and invite the Lord to help you live a life that's more, more crucified with Jesus and has more faith and trust in him this year. Hey, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Bible and Life podcast. And as always, thanks to those of you who financially support this ministry and make it possible. Uh, You are such an encouragement and a blessing to me. So may God bless you for your blessing to me. Thanks a ton. I hope you guys have a wonderful week in Jesus. I look forward to talking to you again next week.